Hey my friend welcome back to this Akia podcast I'm Utsav Kamboj and I have created this podcast for students employees and entrepreneurs from architecture and design backgrounds who are passionate about their work and want to make an impact I am so excited that you have tuned into this episode because honestly this is one of my favorite episodes so far so let's dive in Hello Hi, how are you? Good, good. I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Good. All right. Allow me to welcome architect Badrinath Kaleru. He is the principal architect at Studio RT. He founded the studio a decade back with an intent to design spaces that are inspired, that evolve into art, enriching the lives of the people, the users who are using that space. And I'm very excited for today's conversation. Welcome to the slide session. Thank you. So uh it's been more than a decade since you founded the studio how has your journey been over these years Yes well it has been an interesting journey like uh, probably like we have been through the the tougher times of the practice because we have been uh, we belong to a lineage where we don't come from architects families so we started all by ourselves and even like uh, this place where I'm practicing it was pretty new to me I actually moved in before I started the practice so it was like a, a lot of new things at the time i think uh, things have evolved over a period of time and i think uh, we are really happy to be where we are and to sail through our ship for all these years right right so uh, none of us uh, anticipated that things are going to change so quickly with digitization the market trends are changing the business trends are changing so how do you keep up with all these changing trends I think uh, digitization for everybody today I think we are living in a digital world and uh, digitization like it's something that we cannot avoid it either we get updated or we get outdated is the me for a practice like this we have we have always been a, a pro a digital company rather than being okay we would be the last one to do that so we were always like probably trying to be the first one to do that in that kind of scenario so like uh, newer technologies actually help us uh, at least in our kind of practice wherein uh, we try to work, do a lot of experimental work so it is like a very good solid tool which helps us to work with our clients it actually helps us to make our clients visualize better like we have been using the virtual reality for uh, past one two years for some of our clients wherein we were uh, trying to visualize things which haven't been built for example we were doing a large installation inside an interior space and it was uh, pretty uh, tough uh, quite a big huge uh, sculpture so to visualize it if you want the client also to be to take an informed decision so taking an informed decision with the client we also want his visualization to be at par with yours wherein he could be and play an equal say so that it might not come back to you and say that okay probably i have visualized this something else and this looks totally alien to me so these kind of uh, things wherein it it changes a perspective and that is what it brings a new perspective and somebody who is more informed to it and that has been possible because of technology like yes architects have great visuals and they can even visualize from a sketch or even from a plan but it is not uh, at the same time same with probably when you're working with a structural engineer per se or if you're working with another uh, a contractor or trying to 
explain you uh, explain this complexity of a design in a certain way so many a times contractor say okay i'll just make it but at least explain it to me in a right way that what you want actually so those kind of uh, decisions are very easier when you actually bring in like we also have a small uh, 3d printer and we print a lot of uh, prototype sort of it so like from facade fins to small furniture pieces scaled models and they are like uh, it will be like very interesting to see that they are actually like drawings and once we give that piece small piece of object into their hands they said so okay let's forget all the drawings and we'll make you the entire thing what as you asked in a certain way so these things would actually uh, make things quite faster like when we make furniture and any kind of installations i think 3d prints and these kind of technologies are very very uh, makes you very empowered with with compared to what conventionally we used to do with drawings because drawings anyway like when there are linear rectilinear structures like drawings are probably the best medium but when you actually have organic structures and quite lot of complicated geometries we have tried several ways even like 3d views only have a limitation to make the person understand to a certain point and it doesn't uh, for example a chair would not justify in a drawing you need to see the entire uh, the the how the volumes and how the curves are flowing so when things change planes that's when drawings i think would have their limitations and probably i think digital ways are the newer ways and probably uh, that would be the order of day tomorrow right right so recently you were in master class with glen how was your experience with uh, about the master class it was uh, probably one of uh, one experience i would say that if something uh, would happen to you in a period of 15 days and that's something that could change your life forever so something of those kind of experience was that uh, what i would say that i've experienced there because uh, glen as a personality he has a very strong personality as a very simple humble person at the same time uh, his ideologies of space and how he explains his things it was uh, really like you get back to your core basics and how uh, you, like for example i would understand how uh, important nature is though i would have studied it but i would have felt it when i have seen uh, his projects each of them how they respond to nature and the whole idea of the experience was said like uh, you actually work uh, with earth like a partner and that's when uh, it is like a good building is like an uh, it's an instrument and the orchestra is done by the nature rather than saying that uh, we create something very interesting would always say that great architecture is always discovered it's not invented so like lot of uh, things when you actually see with him were pretty uh, amazing and it was probably i would say that uh, i would always recommend younger architects if they have an opportunity to take a, something these kind of programs with plain or any one of the masters but Uh, it would really uh, change it for you to the core and makes you very interesting uh, and makes you really uh, like uh, something that wouldn't i wouldn't probably express it the right way but something that has changed a lot in me and also uh, the way that i would uh, do my designs first right so if we talk about any of your projects uh, the way that you used geometry is bold and non repetitive so how would you define geometry in terms of architecture geometry per se like uh, geometry is always uh, when you look at uh, different geometries and geometries have a very strong connect to uh, like to human beings per se they're always like uh, 
every geometry for example a skewed angle a sense of uh, space when you live uh, when you stand in a skewed space uh, it always feels like uh, a, a diminishing space and an expanding space always has its own uh, sense of invitation or in, in terms of uh, energies that would see so these kind of geometries uh, like for us as a practice geometries have been always been uh, very important and uh, this would be like uh, if you see the works of uh, daniel lipskin per se uh, even if you see the uh, the jewish museum in berlin so i could uh, when you walk through those spaces being this aisleways and different things the kind of geometries have been used would actually uh, the design of museum is so powerful and has a very strong impact on you which even like the the curator would have achieved a certain kind of content but uh, architect would actually have created a taken the content to a very great level so that is what uh, geometry brings in or it adds to a newer dimension because we live in a world wherein um, we are not blessed with sites where you say that we would like uh, how many times we would build a taj mahal or we would have just so much of foreground to build something of that we could actually uh, would build like a capital complex in chandigarh where you walk into the plaza and you could actually see the the front facade and then you slowly approach to the building so those are only like once in a lifetime opportunities that anybody would get person i think most of us would get so when you talk about everyday buildings and the kind of expectations um clients have evolved in like looking at the digitization the kind of expectations also how the clients increase with every project so that is when we need to look back into and look at uh, different geometries i cannot uh, like for example i did a project wherein there was uh, almost a 400 500 feet facade but at the same time the abutting road was probably 30 to 40 feet so i wouldn't never ever i would actually get a space wherein i could uh, watch it from a thousand feet away and i could ever slowly get to it it is the urban scenario that is how the densities we work with so when you look at these kind of scenarios we need to find new ways my building would only be viewed at 60 feet from a particular point and that point keeps shifting so that uh, so the most important point is the cone of vision wherein i need to find something interesting for every set of cone of vision which is coming in that particular space and how i could uh, take those eyes carry and flow them in those particular scenario which is more important we couldn't we don't actually have the privilege to see those huge structures so that is when we need to uh, look at different ways and geometries per se it is probably the need of our wherein we could look at different and we could accentuate probably uh, a building which is uh, slightly at an angle which is angled in a certain way would makes you feel that it is more taller than what it is so these kind of scenarios where you work with urban regulations where everything is regulated like probably uh, like corbusier would never have to had worked with the guidelines or the chandigarh administration norms actually probably he has set up his own norms but like all the prodigies working right now had to work with a different frame of rules which probably corbusier never imagined so when you work with those kind of rules we need to find our own smartest uh, i would say street smart street smart ways to find our newer orders of geometry right right so in your opinion when is the right time to switch from sketches to softwares how do you incorporate softwares in your designs i think it is more about uh, uh, it's more like it's it varies from person to person and uh, like in for us for example in uh, for me when i uh, we work on 
so sketches and uh, starting off with uh, softwares are probably they would happen at the same time or they would happen in tandem because we are not like a conventional practice where you uh, sketch out everything or you develop everything and softwares are only added tool to produce certain amount of drawings so uh, we actually work because it uh, depends on something like a project uh, like timber rhyme is i've been uh, designed digitally evolved digitally and print uh, fabricated digitally and then assembled at site so those kind of projects would actually need a different kind of thinking because end of the day it is all before the sketches it's about the feeling of a project you how you feel in a certain space and those kind of feelings if you can generate in your sketches and if you can translate into your drawings very good but at the same time like now more and more people like uh, work on uh, computers and they develop uh, soft models directly which is also a good way i would always never rate anything superior or inferior there are different ways i think one should choose a way which is more appropriate to them and should not be let down by saying that okay i am not uh, good at sketching but if architect needs to be good visualizers and visualizing is independent of sketching they both are they were connected at certain period of time where we didn't had technology but today i wouldn't say that uh, like for example if somebody could uh, put on a vr goggles and develop a sculpted particular space why not if you can use a space called like you can use a program and sculpt a space or an installation you should be allowed to do it and at the same time if you can design like there are a lot of uh, software which you can even design in virtual reality then you should go for it it is more about uh, the one the person's comfort and where is good at visualizing like greg lens says that he always puts on hololens and does a lot of designing and how he does it which is and the kind of design probably if you see zadi so they like uh, so those kind of uh, designs would actually have been developed in a certain way and perform in a certain way uh, i think like they should start and both at equal uh, like they were two parallels and if one is uh, has an affinity towards a certain way we should uh, always take it up as an uh, like uh, thinking himself that it is not a right approach right so talking about the timber drawing the project has this delicate uh, you know delicate wooden ribbon that is going through the entire space so how was your experience of designing and executing that project it was like uh, it was a point where we started when we thought that uh, this kind of project wherein the, the idea was to develop uh, a linear uh, store and it was something the the need for that particular store was it was uh, selling uh, specialized veneers and so wood as always has been understood as a project uh, a material which is in more rectilinear ways and which is more uh, solid per se and which is not known it is like a metal is always known for its flexural strength but wood is more known for its compressive strength and look though it is known for its flexural strength but it is not imagined in a like a like a ribbon kind of structure that kind of sleekness so that is when we thought that if we could uh, create a dialogue because um, like i would say like uh, i was reading a book of louis icahn where he said that the spaces uh, should uh, they not necessarily to enclose you but at the same time they need to make provide enough reasons to uh, create new interactions and that is when a space justifies for itself so this was one of the this thing wherein the ribbon structure was free flowing it forms the table it forms the chair it forms an uh, a wall console so something that keeps moving on continuously 
and it is more like an immersive installation where you walk through it where you could experience uh, all those things so this kind of uh, project it was very difficult for us to uh, probably like first convince the client then it was very difficult to execute because we had to uh, we thought of doing it it was all sliced and cut on a predefined uh, cnc and it was joined on site so it was uh, though there was a um, lot of uh, computer like we, the computer part was relatively easy where we could slice off everything and do this thing but to make a normal person understand how this puzzle would work and every time like uh, like the we also like would actually client would come and say that was it uh, was this complexity actually needed or was it something that can we do away with it or is it something that uh, has it been done before because this is the most um, like common question we actually get to listen from our clients like has it been done before and we were always like okay we want we try to create something uh, you want something to be created which was not created before but you actually wanted something that has you have seen something that you have seen before so this is uh, uh, it's like a never ending question how we try to solve it and to always to bring them into confidence at the same time so that's when uh, when we like so for example in this case we actually made a model to a client and gave it to him and this is how it looked and he was so impressed with the model he actually took back the model with him and uh, that is when and after two days every everybody uh, even before the project was finished he was so excited anybody who asked that what is happening he just shows the model and the person is also excited so that is when uh, like he like there is a confidence that is being building up and then the like there's also a lot of pressure that there is no chance of failure so that is when we do a lot of smaller mock ups different ways of understanding at the same time even if you do a lot of homework you need to convince the contractor to do something wherein it was not as everyday's work so when you do it and even for when you uh, like these kind of scale of projects when you when there are more simpler or smaller contractors you're working for them it's like sometimes doing a wrong informed decision would but actually they will lose money on the project so that is also very important when we tell them the complexities of it at the same time they try to work around it and we motivate them enough wherein like we, we can also help them out how they can visualize it so that is uh, also very important otherwise sometimes uh, we have seen that uh, it's a very nice art installation uh, it has come out well and uh, the client is also very happy but uh, the contractor at the end of the day he has lost money in it because probably he might have not understood the complexity or probably he might have uh, over like under calculated the risk or the wastage or some particular parameters which at the same time because he was also an equal stakeholder so which he also needs to be equally empowered like others like we cannot uh, like build projects and contractors failures we need to work on like contractor success as well as client success so it's an ecosystem where that needs to function so that is when uh, like even in this like we had a contractor who could actually uh, fix those things and we could actually convince him we had to wait for him so they because there were like at least four contractors who said no to this looking at the complexity of it so that is when we would we actually believe in like more simpler pieces you actually would uh, take the risk of taking up something which is more complicated or something that they haven't done before so those kind of attitudes needs to be inculcated in people and that's when we could create something because even like for example uh, this project four to five years before probably it would have been more difficult for me not in terms of design but to get it executed or to convince the client 
but today we are in a position that we have done certain amount of projects in a certain way that client believes in us and uh, and he does it uh, but way back like 5 6 years probably it would have been more difficult so that is when uh, we need to push ourselves at every stage and we also need to take our contractors and from our clients everybody on this particular phase because the whatever the work you see it's actually like a lot of hard work of the people who are actually on the project the hard work a lot of uh, coordination from the contractors so like a simpler project would take like it would take x amount of energy but a, a complicated project would take three times that of energy and that is not just at the uh, architect's level it's at the client's level because client needs to be three times more patient than his patient for a simpler project at the same time the contractor needs to be three times more uh, aggressive to do it or to accept mistakes from us because mistakes are bound to happen and he need to be in a position to accept those mistakes or from done by his people at the same time still get to so this kind of uh, challenges we get when we actually do uh, quite complicated work So, uh, Studio Ardit has been a versatile studio. You have worked with a lot of scale, the very different scales of the projects. So, uh, how, what kind of complications were there that were very common while executing these projects, or was there a particular experience or a story that you would like to share with us? Like, um, can you uh, explain? It's about the uh, the like different kinds of complications we get in each of the projects. Yeah. Yeah, maybe something that was common in all all of the kind of scales. Like one thing which I've told you is like uh, every time the client actually comes up with a phase wherein like uh, we would understand that saying that uh, though he's convinced but he's not totally convinced and say that uh, he just wants to ask us that is it the risk that we need to take and is it necessary to do that? So uh, that is something that we always try to uh, work around. because that phase we see it in every project once we uh, do a com- uh, design proposal design concept he's excited about it but the moment he asks it like uh, is it really possible can we actually pull it off is the question that we come up so that kind of journey it's more like uh, then you actually have to wear a cap hat of a counselor than of an architect because that yes it will happen and it will happen in a certain way and then you have to work out different ways to happen because end of the day a good design is what everybody enjoys but the path that takes you to that particular design is not a very memorable one, is is a memorable one afterwards but when you are going through that particular path it's not like it's it's well it's not everything it's not like a flabby bed that will take you to a certain point so there are uh, quite lot of challenges you would have clients with moods moods swings at the same time you would have contractors who are ready to give away the work and who doesn't want to work so that is when as an architect you try to try to bind everything because you know that the importance what it has does to you and what it will do afterwards because probably you are the most informed one who could visualize that this is the thing that would happen and would actually be beneficial to the contractor to the client beneficial to the contractor that you would get a next level work of this particular kind at the same time client that he would like if it is an office the kind of appreciation he would get it from his peers so there are a lot of uh, fruits that it would bear but it is only after all the hard work so through this journey every time like the most difficult part is like we need to take the uh, like, counseling the clients and the contractors to do that particular thing and uh, that is something and even probably sometimes we have to even work with the 
uh, the foreman or the person who will actually hands on working with them to convince them, motivate them enough so that they can do it for you. Because um, like end of the day, like uh, it's really uh, it's not very easy to do when you because every time there are set of processes we follow in terms of we we develop mockups. But that particular risk that uh, you would know that okay this thing has happened and probably the client will call you. This is the client call when you just pick up. You don't know like if he actually it was for a positive thing and or it was for a negative thing is that the that that particular second which actually lets you to pick up the call. And yeah, yes, most often than not, if it is a positive thing, like you are happy about it and you say that okay you you don't want more surprises in it. But that particular journey which takes you through the entire thing. I think would be probably is common in most of the projects because now I think it has been uh, inculcated when you keep doing something it gets inculcated in you so probably now it's like uh, inculcated into our like uh, clients also when we give them a simpler option I said like yes probably uh, some I asked the client like uh, he said like yes you have I have seen this proposals but uh, can you do uh, can we do something more exciting. He said, "Like, uh, do you have any feedback about all these proposals?" They said, "Like, uh, like the only feedback we can say that uh, this doesn't look like studio audit. That is what is the feedback. They say we want more exciting. Like, they look interesting, but at the same time we want more exciting, which is because it comes from you. So that is what I think uh, is more uh, more inspires us to push further and then to take things further." That's very nice. It's very nice. Uh, so when we talk about lounges and bars, the way we do the lighting design that can make or break the whole look and feel of the space, right? So when we're talking about lighting design, what are some common uh, essential elements that one needs to take care of while doing the lighting design? Or if you have seen some very big mistakes that people make, and you would like to share with the budding architects who are who have recently started working on these projects. lighting um, like as you said it is uh, like for especially for bar lounges most of the it is like a very like getting an appropriate lighting is i think probably a big uh, problem that is solved because when you talk about lighting we already uh, we only take about uh, how light works in a certain way but we don't take about the indirect light which comes off bounced off surfaces so sometimes we don't actually get to the reflectivity of the materials for example if you actually had a, a porcelain surface how that particular surface to behave because we think that okay black mat would be black mat so probably the surface on back though it is a black mat but it has its uh, a surface brilliance which actually uh, when there are so many of those surfaces and and lot of surfaces like even like uh, when we talk about uh, restaurants per se So we need to factor in like there is a lot of crockery which is glossy, lot of uh, different stuff which are glossy. So that is when uh, we need to see the true light. And most uh, sometimes, for example, if you are doing a nice open bar lounge where you have planned for a lot of different amazing lights, but all of a sudden uh, there is some particular street light which is actually disturbing you and it has taken off the entire uh, theme that has been done because it it actually brings in a lot of unwanted light. so that is when we need to uh, look at uh, see spaces and try to work around with it um, because we plan everything on a drawing board and we see that okay this should work in a certain way uh, light specially we have uh, we have seen that most like for example in one of the bar lounges we had to um, 
we had to do up a, a complete uh, matrix light installation, which is the main installation of the bar launch. And it was to, uh, and we were actually had to see uh, the bounce of an acrylic mirror, and which was uh, hand painted with a translucent paint. So to see that surface of a uh, bounce of a light in in a mirror on a, a turquoise translucent acrylic uh, mirror, which was hand painted, and in a space wherein um, you actually it is it's an open lounge. So the uh, the main part was like we can only do the light testing after uh, when it goes dark, and because the the space was started before the matrix installation was done with some basic spaces, it was further more challenging to get to. We had to actually literally to uh, start our lighting uh, programming with the programmer at one a.m. at night because it was that is the time when the bar shuts down. That is the time wherein you get lot. We don't actually have lot of unwanted light, and that is when we used to program the entire thing. And programming matrix, like what I know of it, very bit because it needs to. We need to generate certain patterns. We generate those certain patterns, and we were more focusing on how it would evolve in a space. Because when you are standing at a certain space or at a center, how I would want to flow things to flow with it. Because we had a ceiling installation and we had a bar counter which need to perform. And we were doing several different kind of lighting scenes. So it was like literally, I used to finish off my office, have my dinner, and everything. After my family sleeps, I used to drive back to that particular place. We do the setup whole night, like for two, three hours. And those three, four days where we were doing the setup, it was pretty, um, like, uh, it was pretty uh, interesting at the same time because we were doing a lot of new things. At the same time, how like we understand that how complicated it is when you actually want to create. A very interesting lighting, because even in a, a certain spaces, because in in some of the projects, like when lighting designers say that sir, this is some unwanted light which we don't want, and but this is something that is existing. So that is when we need to uh, see the surfaces. We need to see how it performs. So I would rather recommend that whenever we put fixtures in a bar lounge, most often than not, we need to work with. Do definitely one should always do mockups. See the smaller impact and then take it up to the scale. Don't ever assume that this particular. Don't believe anybody who says that it, this particular works in a certain way. Do see it for yourself. Look at uh, for when it is closer to the finishing. Look those lights. Never finalize your lighting scheme, uh, or never let your client order your lighting before you don't do the mockups, which is very important. At the same time, when we even uh, when we do mockups. Even we do certain amount of lights. If you can actually go for some kind of uh, dimmable lights, because you'd never know that what kind of intensity certainly you would need. Even like no uh, lighting designer would be able to uh, like tell you in a certain way. So we always prefer that we put lights which can be dimmable, though they don't need to be an automation. They can just be dimmable for once. But once you do that, you can actually get a certain amount of control to a light where you could based on the reflections. Or sometimes if there is a a, a uh, we don't even uh, factor in when there's a bar lounge there's a huge screen we also need to factor in the amount of light that is coming from the screen which is not it is just a media uh, panel at the same time but it itself blinks in lot of light so that is when we need to balance out things in real sense rather than in an uh, academic way. Right. You have been practicing for over ten years. What are some important learnings that you would like to share with budding architects or designers who are just started practicing? 
like uh, when we started initially like uh, like as every like probably like when we started we were uh, we didn't uh, work with we yes we worked outside india but didn't work with many architects here so we started off practice more like uh, we jumped into the ocean and we tried to swim that kind of uh, scenario so when uh, so we actually had to learn a lot of things the hard way and uh, the right way so in this uh, scenario like uh, i would say that uh, like for all the designers who are coming like it is very important to work on what you believe because uh, when you start a practice you actually get uh, like wanted or unwanted feedback from so many people like this is the right way or you should work in this certain way but uh, but you uh, from inside would know that probably this is not the right way but you still because saying that okay this is the most popular thing i would i need to go for it and we most often then not get carried away into it and then after a certain period of time we believe that probably we have not done the right thing that we should do so uh, when you start a practice like because when you start a practice very difficult to uh, get through negotiate with the early years there have been a lot of difficulties in different times so that is when you don't need to lose your core self because once you lose your core self then you uh, it is uh, it's okay like uh, like always client would always want an uh, easy architect who would so there is no harm in listening to clients one should always be a good listener and listen to everybody and even to clients but at the same time um, good listening doesn't make you that you just follow those instructions or to do it because end of the day what prevails is that uh, what is right is would always be right so even if you are gone off a project so what is right would remain as right so that is uh, so when you actually build your core core uh, principles and not deviate with it and stay with it pursue it for a longer time that would um, i think would slowly become a differentiator than if you work with flow with the flow probably after some time there would be a point of self realization where you say that okay this have been doing for some time but this probably this is not the right thing i need to do from right on or i was doing it because of certain compulsions if you keep the core strong and if you develop if it is okay that you get uh, less number of projects it's okay that you work on a certain you don't need to scale up so fast you can actually uh, scale up slow uh, slowly but at the same time if you uh, focus on your core principles then if your foundation is strong in an architectural way then yes you can make some amazing structure above it. but if you weaken your foundation from beginning then you always need to strengthen it during your course as you want to make uh, as you want to go to the next level so rather than retrofitting your foundation lay a good foundation work around it so that you can actually be more uh, you can take it up to the next level we have got a couple of interesting questions from the audience who are live with us the first one is which one is your favorite project so far um like like probably like every project you do i think it's very close to you but i don't um like if i see for example pavilion is one project which was uh, very close to me because uh, like like architects we work with different kind of briefs we work with uh, a fun, a commercial brief we work with a uh, uh, different kind of briefs per se like we have a lot of challenges in terms of addressing the area requirements or budgets or fitting in a lot of requirements but at the same time when you actually work uh, with an emotional brief so the bus was actually uh, 
was like it was a 40 year old school and there was a bus which was there for 15 to 20 years and it was the first bus which there was they bought it and it was bought by um, the father and uh, and he, they, he, it was when he passed away they bought this bus from their insurance money which was very special so it for was valuable so even today they have a fleet of 100 buses but that particular the for the first bus was very uh, close to their house so they actually asked us to like uh, they were very emotional saying that we don't want to get rid of it can you do something that it stays back and can you do something out of it so that is when when we thought of like uh, if that is so important to them why can't we work out something so we wanted to make it like a quality of a temple where it is more simple at the same time it has a very uh, strong emotional connect and something which is for everybody something which invites everybody and so and the the decor was um, the main the, the interesting decor part of it was how it plays with the sun because it's a simpler structure which has a lot of different pillars and how it changes uh, throughout the day is something that is uh, probably it has uh, i wouldn't say that we have done it probably it happened through us i would put it this way but the kind of experience that when we stand at uh, that particular place it gives um, it it feels you like so different like even probably uh, that is one project which um, when i sh- uh, shown couple of three four projects to glen probably that was one project he got excited about and he has seen lot of uh, about that project and he said it was uh, it's done really well so that kind of um, thing that was the special bond with it it's like probably the smallest project which i've ever done but probably that's the most the closest project and even it's the project which has got this like uh, like lot of top awards as well all right well this was a very amazing conversation thank you so much for giving us so many insights i hope everybody has enjoyed our conversation as much as i have enjoyed this conversation thank you so much for joining us here in this live session and thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and expertise with me and with the audience who are with us thank you thanks thanks a lot for you for having yeah. me here and, uh, it was a pleasure you. having you here yeah thank you. thank you all right you too all right bye